I'm going to start with a verse in Hebrews, and then we're going to go to the book of Joshua. And I'm going to preach this morning, Keys to Spiritual Growth. And I'm going to do a, a, a three Sundays on this because I've been, I've been wanting to get here, been preaching faith all year long. And so I wanted to get to the point of talking about how to grow up spiritually. And uh, it's the fall. It's time we start re-upping all of our commitments and everything. And so I want to look at what it really means to grow spiritually. Because we're given this lifetime. And in this lifetime, you know, you're taught to uh, get educated. You're taught to save money and save for retirement and get a good job, work a good profession, uh, raise a good family, uh, take care of your health. We're taught all of these very important lessons. But often we forget about, oh, yeah, you're really a spirit man. We, we are spiritual people first. We're spiritual people first. One man has said it like this, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. The body is a temporary flesh suit. One of my favorite bands, Switchfoot, they have a great line in one of their songs. He says uh, something about being sentimental. Then he said, don't want to be sentimental because this skin and bones is just a rental. I love that line. Don't get sentimental because this skin and bones is just a rental. We're getting out of this after a while. Somebody should say hallelujah. <laughs> We're getting a new body. According to scripture, we'll get a new body. Amen. But the spiritual man is, is eternal. The spiritual person that you are is eternal. So you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And the way I understand scripture, there's only one of two options for that. You can spend eternity in heaven or you can spend eternity in hell. I didn't write it. I'm just interpreting what it's written. Amen? It is a... It is a a hard truth. I don't see a middle ground. I don't see a purgatory. I don't see a annihilationism. I don't see a ghost walking around that are departed human spirits. Those are called demons. So I don't see, I, I see that when you die, Paul said to be absent from the Lord, I mean absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said when the rich man opened his eyes, he opened his eyes in hell. Lazarus was carried to the bosom of Abraham. So I only see really two options. There's heaven and there's hell. And so your spirit, your, man, your person is going to spend eternity somewhere. So if that's the case, you know, we prepare for retirement so we can live the last few decades of our lives and not have to work. And that's very smart. Amen? But what if I said you're going to spend eternity based on what happens in this life. Okay. I'm going to say it for those on the back row. Hallelujah. <laughs> You're going to spend eternity at a destination based on the direction you go in this life. This, that's, that's the way I understand Scripture. Is it, is it the way you understand it? And so why, don't, let's, why, why shouldn't we give more attention more earnest heed in Bible terms to what we're doing now and training up our spirit man. 
Amen? I want to be strong. I want to be healthy in the flesh. I want to be strong in my mind for the rest of the days of my life. But I want to, number one, be a spirit man that's on fire and strong for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And he talks about, he's telling the, the Hebrews, he's saying, hey, grow up, get off the milk, get out of the common, the, the basic principles, and go on to perfection. And I'm not going to exposit this whole passage here. I just wanted to pull, that, pull out that truth, and I'll reiterate it over the coming weeks. But he's, he's encouraging us all to go on to perfection. Now, perfection is kind of a scary term because we think about, my gosh, who can be perfect in this life? Well, let's look at this term. The ter term perfection in the original language really means something that's brought to its full end. Something that is lacking nothing. Something that is fully grown. Something that comes of full age, is mature or finished. Okay? So do we, do we get to the level of absolute perfection in this life? I would say no. But we can pursue perfection and pursue spiritual maturity. Now, there was a guy, I mentioned him last week in the 1700s, named John Wesley. And John Wesley began to preach and teach about spiritual perfection. In fact, his benediction in services would be like this. Brothers, go on to perfection. That's how he would close the services. Go on to perfection. And a lot of people didn't understand this or got confused by this because he would use those terms. And what I think he was really meaning, after reading Wesleyan scholars and stuff, what I think he really was meaning is that perfection was reaching a level of having perfect love toward God and perfect love toward people. It doesn't mean you've reached the point where you can't sin or you reach the point where you don't have a negative thought or no. But it, you can get to the point where you can love God perfectly with all of your heart and you can love people with all of your heart perfectly. Okay, a bunch of us just went, Lord, I got a long way to go. <laughs> but I'm just laying it out there. I'm laying the goal out. You can love God with all of your heart and you love people with all of your heart. And I never noticed this before in Scripture. That when Jesus talked about perfection, He tied it to relationships with other people. Matthew 5.48 Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Like What? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. But if you look at that passage, it's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 48. But in that passage, he says, you shall love your neighbor. You shall love your enemies. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you, do, 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 even, even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brother, brethren only, what more do you do than others? Therefore you shall be perfect. So really that... Be perfect is couched within the context of how we treat other people. 
I think sometimes in holiness circles, we focused on just perfecting ourselves. You know, it's all we got inward with it, where really perfection and love comes from how we serve others and live toward others. So I just want to take a few sessions here and deal with how do we grow up spiritually, all right? And number one, I want to deal with this morning. I've preached it all year long, but we're going to drill down further, and that is we must grow up in the Word. First step, I believe, in spiritual maturity is to grow up in the Word. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to read these first eight verses. You've got to understand the setting. Moses has died. Moses has led all the children of Israel to the brink of the promised land, led them to the river Jordan, and now they're getting ready to cross over. They're getting ready to fight their first battle, which will be at the city of Jericho. And now he's passed the reins. He passed the baton to his second in command, which was Joshua. And now Joshua is standing there. And can you imagine how Joshua felt? I mean, Joshua is taking over the leadership reins from a guy who was one of the most amazing leaders in the Bible. I, I'm amazed as you read the first five books of the Bible. Well, take Genesis out, the next four books of the Bible, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, at Moses' leadership, Moses' humility, and how Moses goes before the face of God and intercedes, and how the Lord speaks to Moses. I mean, and the Lord spoke to Moses. So many chapters begin like that, and the Lord spoke to Moses. And then, like, he's the man, okay? He's the one, he's the OG. <laughs> he's the one who pulled them out of Egyptian bondage. He's the one that stood before Pharaoh. He's the one whom God spoke to out of the burning bush. I mean, he's the man. And now he dies, and the leadership mantle is being handed to Joshua. How would you feel? I mean, those are some big shoes to fill, right? That's a huge task. So here's what God says. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Yeah, we know that. Everybody knows that. But why was he telling Joshua? I think he was telling Joshua because he needed to know Don't, that season is gone. And to move into the future God has for you, you can't operate under the mentality of an old season. The past is gone. Moses is dead. Now it's you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. This is the first time he says it. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, second time, and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it 
to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, can we all say for then? You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. So first of all, he's coming and he's giving him encouragement, and he's telling him, be strong, man. Stand strong. Three times God emphasized this. And then he also said several times in that passage, just as I promised Moses, I'm going to perform to you. As I said to Moses, I'll perform to you. As I gave the law to Moses, that's what's going to be your prosperous tool. But I want to break down verse 8 because I think it's so power-packed. It says, this book of the law, <clears throat> this would be the commandments in those days, the Torah. It would be the commandments that God had given the children of Israel. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Can we shout amen? So the key to being prosperous and the key for good success for Joshua was to meditate in the law of God. I'm going to say the way we can become prosperous spiritually, the way we can have good success spiritually is to do the same, is to adhere to God's word and do what God told Joshua to do. So let's break it down. First thing he tells him is he says, you shall speak it. You, listen, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Never noticed this before. I always focused on the meditating part. But he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Because these things have to be spoken. These things have to be declared. The nation needs to know my words. You need to be able to speak my word. You're going to be a leader. You need to use your voice to lead, and you're going to lead through my word and my commandments to this people. Can somebody say amen? amen. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Notice what God had told Moses back one book before to the left. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we read this often when we dedicate children here. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6 said, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. In other words, all day long. You need to be talking about the Word of God and His commandments to Israel all day long. And then he says, And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. This is where the Jews get the phylacteries, you know. I was in the, the Tel Aviv airport last time I was in Israel, and I walked by, a, you know, in, in airports you have stores, you have, you know, like newsstands and Starbucks and all these kind of stores. Well, they have a store just set up for men to go and get dressed so they can pray. 
because you need a prayer shawl. You need to take the commandments of God in a little black box and bind them on your forehand and then wrap the leather up to your heart. Then you bind it around your forehead in a little, little box containing the commandments of God so it's right on your, the frontlets of your eyes. This is where they get that tradition. This is how important the word was to the Lord. You shall never forget it. Talk about it all the time. Impart it to your children. And then let it be on your hand, connected to your heart, and between your eyes. Not only that, if you go to, go to Israel and go into the Jewish uh, hotels, uh, at, on the outside of every hotel room, there's a mezuzah. And they'll often kiss the mezuzah. And the mezuzah has certain commandments in it of the Lord. So they'll never forget the commandments of God. Has everybody had coffee this morning? Hallelujah. Don't for, come on, say it with me. Speak it. Come on, declare it. Notice in the New Testament we have the same principle that carries all the way through the Bible. If you look in the book of Romans, chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, and I quote this very often when I give altar calls for salvation, but notice the power of this. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, and heart is not the you know, it's not the, the pumping organ in us, but the ancient concept of heart was the spiritual center of a person's being. So it is a metaphor, basically. But so with, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you have to believe it in your heart, and then it has to come out of your mouth. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. There is power in declaring God's word. So let's break this down. How does it work? Well, how did it work for Jesus? When he went... Jesus appears in Matthew chapter 3 at the River Jordan. John the Baptist baptizes him in water. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus. The voice from heaven, the voice of the Father speaks. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he comes out of the water. And the Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So he goes by the leading of the Holy Spirit because I believe Jesus operated as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he goes into the heart of the wilderness, which is at the, at the day the Judean desert. And he goes into the desert and there he's tempted and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan came, comes to him three different times. And in those three different temptations, which I think are rich with meaning, he tempts him to sin. But Jesus refuses the temptation all three times. And each time, he not only refuses it, but he quotes the word back to the devil.
He didn't just sit there and say, you know, in his mind, I know what I believe. I'm just going to be quiet. It's in my heart. No, he spoke it out. For it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. For it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. For it is written, you shall only worship the Lord God Himself and serve no other gods. He spoke these things out when He was in a battle. So when you in a battle or not in a battle, you need to be declaring the Word of God. Because the Word of God will go contrary to the report of the enemy. The Word of God will go contrary to the report of the world many times. The Word of God will go contrary to the current of society many times. I love that. Didn't you love breaking barriers? Wasn't it amazing? Well, the last night we had Pastor Russell Johnson here from uh, Seattle, Washington. And you know, I'd never met him. And so uh, beforehand, I said, hey, can, can I just get coffee with you guys? So we went out and sat and had coffee. And, and I was like, you know, I knew he was awesome. But I was like, I woke up that morning thinking, Lord Jesus, I hope this guy's good. Because I don't like giving the pulpit to people I don't really know in depth. And so when I first met him, I met him in the hotel, and he comes up, and I hugged him, and he said, I think we have a mutual acquaintance. I said, really? He said, yeah, his name is Ted Shuttlesworth. I said, dude, I just sighed a sigh of relief right then, man. I actually said it to him. And then... Uh, when he got up here, he preached just phenomenally, didn't he? Just preached great. But here, here's the deal. Out in Seattle, you know, he talked about the culture they're in. If you follow his ministry, he talked about the, the uh, I mean, I see crazy stuff going on in North Carolina. But nonetheless, you know, Seattle, I think, is even more woke. And so he has this billboard that advertises, I guess, a Christian school they operate. And it just says certain values of the school you know, on the top and on the bottom of the billboard. But then in the middle it says, not woke. Although this dude's all right, man. He's got some back. Not woke. Why? Because sometimes when we get in the culture, we'll back off from speaking truth because we're afraid of offending people or we're afraid of looking like idiots from the backwoods or something. But I'm already from the backwoods, so it don't matter, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. you got to speak truth in the midst of contrary currents of thought. You have to speak truth in the midst of people approving and condoning sin. You have to speak truth when it seems like fear is knocking on your door and Satan wants to come and shake you and rattle you right down to the bone. You have to speak truth when you receive a negative doctor's report. You have to receive uh, speak truth when you see a negative bank account. Come on. You have to speak truth when your kids don't seem to be coming the way you've been praying they're going to come. You have to declare and speak God's word over the situation. Grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Hallelujah. You know, one, I guess one earmark of being younger is uh, you'll go with the crowd. You know, not everyone does, but it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. 
And then when you get older, you're supposed to learn how to think for yourself and make decisions on your own. It's why it's so important we raise kids. You're really protective of kids. And then as they grow, you kind of back off a little bit as they learn to make decisions on their own and stand on their own, right? Well, let's grow up spiritually to where we can stand in the midst of a group of people bowing on their faces to a foreign idol and we can stand there like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and saying, we're not going to bow. Do what you want to. I'm not giving in to this. I'm not going that way. I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Then he says this, But you shall meditate in it day and night. You shall meditate in it day and night. You shall meditate. The term for meditate in the original Hebrew literally means to moan or growl. To murmur, to, um, it's, it's like to, um, a, 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 an example of this would be like a cow chewing cud. I don't fully understand all the biology of that, but a cow can eat grass and then put some over in reserve for later. Chalk it back up and chew on it a little later. Hallelujah. Some of y'all are doing that, but you don't want to do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. You, you, it comes up for later. So it's, it's really like this word in Hebrew. It's really like meditate. We put the word in. Then we bring it back up later. And then there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a thing of speaking to yourself the Word. Like saying it to yourself and start ruminating. That's the word I'm looking for. To ruminate. Ruminating. It also means to muse or imagine. Think about that. How, how about, this to change my, my view of it. How about we imagine with the Word? Because we think imagine is, is never to be used in, in Bible terms or in No, it, it's a powerful term. The imagination can be fallen, or a redeemed imagination is an amazing thing. Because God has given us an imagination to dream and to walk in faith with Him. So, what if we put the word in us, ruminate on it, and then start imagining with the word? And I know some people say, well, this sounds very new age. No, it's old age. It's Bible. Okay? That is, I can pray the Scriptures and then think about what that looks like as those things come to pass in my life and what someone else will look like when I'm praying for them. And I start seeing what this looks like. That's Thank you, Brother Hans. Just preach that right there. Amen. Good. Start ruminating, chewing, meditating, imagining with the Word. So I prayed for someone recently who was uh, sick. And I went up to them and I thought, I know God wants to heal this person. I've settled that issue. And now I'm starting to see this person well. And what's it going to look like? 
It's like R.W. Schambach said years ago. He said they, he was going to pray for someone who was a corpse, who was dead. And he said the devil came and said, what if they don't get up? And he said, I just said, well, devil, what if they do get up? It's going to be kind of wild if they do. i to start thinking. Because when the Spirit comes and gives me words of knowledge, it comes as images often. And I'll start seeing in the Spirit certain things because God comes and taps into my image-making part of my brain and plants an image there born of the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago I was preaching in central Virginia in in an auditorium and um, we had preached and called this altar call and people came down front and all of a sudden I saw a, a metal rod in someone's leg and I knew which side it was on I just see that in my mind's eye as people are coming and I'll think okay Hans was that just you or was that really birth of the Holy Spirit so I said well I'm gonna give it a shot there's where faith comes in so I said there's someone at this altar who has a metal rod in your leg and it's in the left leg and God wants to heal you and touch you right now and some lady went berserk in the front. God's given me names. He's given me situations. Why? I, it's, I, that God taps into. How did I get here? I don't know. But God starts tapping into that imaging part of your mind and starts planting His images in your mind. I've never preached this before in my life, but it's okay. Hallelujah. So get down and start ruminating, meditating in the Word and let the Word start doing the thinking for you. Start thinking in the Word. I remember when I first uh, came into our conference of churches, I used to get around some older ministers, and I would golf with them sometimes or just have lunch with them or meetings with them. And I noticed the older guys spoke in Scripture. And I thought, wow, is that just a churchy thing or is that like... But the older I get, the more I realize I do it. Because you want the Word in your life so much that it, you start thinking through the paradigm or through the lens of Scripture. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So ruminate, meditate, imagine, memorize the Word. Memorize the Word. Have certain Scriptures you memorize. You said, I'm too old to memorize. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, our good friend Doug Eccles, his mom and dad, they're amazing people. His dad's in his 90s, and he pastored for over 50 years. And he said when they started getting older, they they wanted to ensure that their memory stayed sharp. So what they did was they they would lay in bed every night, and they would start with the letter A, and they would start quoting Scripture verses that began with A, with B, with C, with D, with E, until they fell asleep. And they would sing hymns with the letter A, with the letter B, with the letter C. I'm like, I'm impressed. And the last time I was with Brother Eccles, he was just as sharp as the first time I met him. Our friend Dayton Burke, bishop of our conference that I served under for many years. Dayton was a drug addict in his young days. And he said, Hans, I'd burnt my brain cells slam out. He said, I couldn't remember anything. And he said, I went and started working for my dad, who was a pastor. And I would sit in a room and memorize Scripture and memorize Scripture 
And he said, through the memorization of Scripture, God gave me my memory back. Gave it back. He had smoked so much dope. You know, smoking dope makes you dumb. Did I say that? Yeah. So when it comes to the polls, vote against it. Because we've got enough dumb people in the world. We don't need no more. Recently went to New York City and couldn't walk down the street for the horrific smell of pot smoke. I said, I remember what pot smoke smelled like in high school. It was all right. This ain't that. I'm sorry. I'm just playing, right? Okay. It's another level of dumb. Wow, y'all are a hard crowd this morning. I mean, difficult crowd. I'm just throwing it out there. Amen. Meditate it. Meditate in it day and night. That you may observe. Somebody shout observe. observe. That you may observe to do all that is written in it. So not only does it need to be on your mouth speaking it. Not only does it need to be in your heart and mind meditating and ruminating on it. You must do it. You must act on it. You must get out and observe and do what the Word says to do. The term here in Hebrew means to preserve, to tend it like a garden, to retain it. Faith must be joined with corresponding action. Notice the majority of miracles that Jesus performed, there was some type of action involved. Stretch forth your hand. Take up your bed. The friends let him down through the roof. The woman pressed through the crowd. The Syrophoenician woman begged him at the dinner table. There's often faith, a corresponding action associated with faith. Paul, seeing a man who had faith to be healed, said to him, and sometimes I think we, we don't think about that, that what is God saying do? We have faith and we believe, but then we need to kick it into overdrive and start acting on the Word. My dad said there were some people in the coal fields years ago, and one guy said, God's just going to take care of everything, brother, don't worry. Another person, this country guy, said, yeah, but it takes a whole lot of work for it. That's Kentucky talk for you got to do something too. You got to get you got to get it in gear and act on faith. Amen. You got to act on faith. Dr. William Ward used to teach this. He said faith is like uh, a, a car. And if you get in this car, if you never start it or if you never put it in drive or never turn the steering wheel, God will not guide. Because he guides once you get in motion. And then once you get in motion, he starts pinging it. He said it's like the old torpedo systems in a Navy ship. That they would go out and start ding, 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 pinging their way to the target. And that's the way it got. Get busy doing something. Get busy acting on the Word. And then watch God lead you down the road right to the target you need. And if you miss it, so what? At least you were doing something. 
Somebody shout amen. amen. So Joshua takes this to heart. And he starts listening to the Lord. The Lord appears to him and speaks to him. The angel of the Lord comes to him. And in chapter 1, he's reminded that the people will be given the land by God. And he has this in his heart. Then in chapter 3, he takes the people through the Jordan onto dry land according to the word of the Lord. They had to step into the waters. And they had not parted. They had to step into the waters with the Ark of the Covenant. And then as they stepped in, God dried it up. And then the nation of Israel was able to go across on dry land. In Joshua chapter 4, the Lord told Joshua then to make a memorial of 12 stones. He could have been like, I don't have time for this. we got a battle ahead of us. I've got 3 million people to take care of. But no, God said, tend to this thing because it's important to me. Make a memorial of 12 stones so he obeys the word of the Lord. Joshua chapter 5, he obeys the word of the Lord. Before going to battle, he sanctifies the camp of Israel and circumcises all the males. Why would you do that before battle? Because the Lord wanted holiness in the camp and he was going to obey the Lord's word. Then in Joshua chapter 6, he obeys the instructions. Go to Jericho, remain silent, and walk around the city for six days. Then on the seventh day, walk around seven times, and then blow the ram's horns. And as you blow the trumpets, then march on the city, and that's the battle plan. And so Joshua observed the law of God and the word of the Lord and he went in and God gave him the victory. You must step out and then act on what the word says do in your life. Come on, shout it with me. Speak it. Meditate on it. And act on it. Come on, one more time. Speak it. Meditate on it. And then act on it. One more thing I want to share before we close here. Psalm chapter 119. I think if you go to the middle of the Bible, it is the middle portion of the Bible. Psalm 119. Also, I think the longest chapter in the Bible. And it talks about the word of the Lord or the law of the Lord. Verse 1, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. So it's about the power of the word of God. And let me just give you 17 things quickly out of this passage that the word does for us. First of all, it brings joy. Blessed are those who keep his testimony, who seek him with their whole heart. If you want joy, the NLT translates that as joyful. If you want joy, get into the Word. Because CNN and Fox and all those can bring you down. Get into the Word and get the Word of the Lord in your life. Verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your Word. The Word will keep you from sinning. Verse 24, the Bible says the word is good counsel for us. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Your your testimonies are my counselors. Chapter 19, 119, verse 36 says, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. So when we give ourselves to the word, it keeps us from this selfish drive in the human person. In verse 43, it says, And take not the word of truth utterly out of your mouth. Why? Because it gives hope. It gives hope to you. For I have hoped in your ordinance, the psalmist said. 
I have hoped in you. My hope is anchored in your word and in your law. Verse 45 says, And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. It brings liberty or it brings freedom. Once you get into the Word, it brings freedom in your life. In verse 50, it says, This is my comfort. In my affliction, your Word has given me life. The Word becomes a comfort to us. Verse 54, Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. The Word becomes our song. Did you notice the songs that were being sung this morning? They were The majority of those lyrics are coming directly from the Word. They're coming from the Word. That's why we sing the Word back to the Lord. Have a song on your heart. That's, what a, that's a mark of a Spirit-filled person. Singing spiritual songs and making melodies in your heart to the Lord. I'm going to keep chopping. Verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Why? Because it becomes that anchor. It ha- you have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts because it's going to anchor my heart down into the truth of God's Word. Verse 79 says, Let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimony. Why? Because turn to me, says... Because when I walk through things, I'm going to walk as a man dedicated to the Word and I'll become an example to others as to a life of a man who walks according to God's Word. Verse 92, Unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. Why? Because the Word sustains you through all of the trials of life. Verse 93, for I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. You have, it's life-giving. Get into the Word. It is life-giving. Verse 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. It comes with understanding. It comes with wisdom when you get into the Word. Verse 105, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Psalm 119-137, righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Why? Because it reveals it's connected to the character of God. And then verse 165, the final one, the Word brings us peace for the psalmist said great peace great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble the greatest recommendation I could give you today for growing spiritually is get the word of the Lord in your heart Read the Old Testament, the wisdom literature, the Pentateuch, the, the historical books. Read the New Testament. Read the Gospels. Read the writings. Read Revelation. Read it all. You say, I don't understand it. Do a little work. There's so many helps out there today. Every time I go to study the Bible, I'm like, Lord, I'm living in the most blessed time we've ever seen. I can get on my phone. My phone has more data accessibility in it than the greatest libraries in the world have had throughout the centuries. I can research the Hebrew and Greek and Latin and German and anything I want to from my phone out in the middle of a cornfield. You can get an understanding of the Word. 
Last week, I had my daughter, uh, Dana and I were in meetings down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I had my daughter, Alex, who does a great job, but she taught Wednesday night Bible study. And, and she's like, where are we at, Dad? I said, Leviticus. <laughs> okay, I'll call you back. She gets in Leviticus. She says, Dad, what are these laws of concubines? Hang on, you can do it, girl. Come on, let's walk through it step by step, and I'll help you as much as I can, but get online. There's so many helps on there. You can find all kind of stuff. So she gets on there, and she's like, wow. Wow. You shall honor your father and mother. I said, there you go. There's sermon number one. You can preach that to the cows come home. Honor your father and mother. I mean, just on and on. In Leviticus. Power packed, word of the Lord, life changing. Why should we know the Old Testament? Because Jesus did. Apostles preached the Old Testament, they wrote the New Testament. But we have the added benefit of the New Testament letters and the present, present day moving and era of the Holy Spirit. Get the word in your heart. I got saved reading the Bible. I got saved reading the Bible. I went and picked up a copy of the Bible that my parents had on their nightstand. It was the Living Bible Paraphrase, a version I could understand. Took it to my room, opened up the, the opening pages, and said, if you've never read the Bible, do this. It was like, it was before books for dummies, but it was like Bible for dummies. Go to the Gospel of Mark and begin reading. So I found the Gospel of Mark and I began reading. And oh my word. Jesus' life became like living color to me. It's like the characters jumped off the pages and became real to me. I got saved reading the Bible. I was filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 17 reading the Bible. I went to the book of Mark again, chapter 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, lay hands on the sick. They drink into daily things and shall not hurt. They shall take up serpents. They shall speak with new tongues. I said, well, Lord, you said it right there. It's mine. I'm a believer. Didn't say just the preachers or the missionaries or the apostles. It said any believer can have this. So, Lord, here I am. I knelt down and prayed and went through this exercise until God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I was called to preach by confirmation of verses God gave me in the Bible. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I am married to Dana for many great reasons. But the first time I went to take her to dinner, I was a nervous wreck. I was in a hotel room. And you know what I did? I paced the floors and prayed to the Holy Ghost. And the Lord said, turn to Acts, gave me the chapter and gave me the verse. I turned to Acts, and it was the story. I have it in my other old Bible, I have it written and dated. It was the story of Cornelius' house receiving the message of the gospel and the baptism of the Spirit. And Peter had gone there and preached the gospel. 
Peter came back and gave testimony to what had happened. And he said, the Spirit bade me go doubting nothing. I'm going to get it to this side right now. The Spirit bade me go doubting nothing. Because there's a lot of doubts could be rolling around. So I said, I'm free. Whether she likes me or not, I'm free in the Holy Ghost. I'm going by the Holy Ghost right here. I'm, I'm free, man. I'm walking in by the Spirit. I'm leaving by the Spirit. And we'll see what God does. So if you don't think the Word's helpful in your life, you're fooled, man. The Word can help you right down with everything you need. I remember when my grandfather died. I was saddened because I was very close to him. Boom! God gave me a scripture, book, chapter, verse. I turned to it and it was out of Psalms. Blew me away. I've got it dated and written in the first Bible that I was ever given. Uh, how many of y'all have been like that? Seven of you. Praise the Lord. Come on, how many of you have actually gotten direction from the Bible? Come on, I mean, God gives us direction. I mean, He gives us, it's power packed. I don't know what you, I'm going to end with this. This is controversial, but I'm just all into controversy this morning. Anyhow, the Bible code. You know, there's some pro, some against, I don't know. But there's some Jewish researchers who have gone into the Hebrew text of the Old Testament and done calculations on it and asked questions to the computer program they had set up that came out with dates, calculations, and it was really is quite remarkable what has been shown in the Bible code. Now, whether it's true or not, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out, but I think it is very remarkable that God's Word could be so precise that even because the, the Masoretic scholars of the Old Testament kept everything in perfect lines like a ledger sheet. And each Hebrew word has a corresponding numeric value. So at the bottom, they would calculate the numbers of those, all those words or the letters added up. So when it comes to Bible discrepancies and people talking about who wrote the Bible, why were this book louder, you know, people don't usually mess around with the Old Testament because it was kept so airtight by the Masoretic scholars. It's usually the New Testament where we get into the heaviest arguments. And so to think that God had His Word so detailed that every Hebrew letter is a character and it's loaded and packed with meaning each letter. I'm going way out in the deep right now too far because y'all are thinking I want lunch. But I'm telling you, God's Word is absolutely amazing. I don't know if this story is true or it's just a, uh, somebody just made it up. I think it's a made-up story, but it has a, is a powerful point anyhow. Let's say there's two boys lost in the woods. They're way deep in the woods, and it gets dark, and they don't know how to get out of there, but they see a log cabin with a light on. So finally... Out of desperation, they go and knock on the door of the cabin. And an old, crusty mountain man lets them in. And says, boys, you can stay with me tonight. There's a room down on the, on the left you can stay in. And so the boys went to bed. And one of them said, you stay up all night for so many hours and watch this guy. And we'll, and we'll trade off shifts. Because they didn't know what this guy would do. And then when it came time for bed, they got in their bedroom 
One of them peeped out his door and saw the old man sitting in a chair reading his Bible. Saw an old man sitting in his chair reading his Bible. And they said, I think we can sleep okay. Changes everything. Changes everything. Changes everything. Changes everything. How many testimonies do the Gideons have of placing those Bibles and little New Testaments on college campuses and and in hotels around the world and motels? I have a cousin who was a total alcoholic by the age of 30, came into a motel room, stole the Gideon Bible. Hallelujah. Took it home with him, and God changed his life. And he came and lived with me. God radically changed his life after that. I heard a story locally in Elizabeth City told to me by a pastor in this area that a high-level Satanist came to Elizabeth City. And he was under armed protection. And they got a motel room, and he stayed in one room, and his armed guards stayed in rooms on either side of him. And in the middle of the night, something woke him up. He opened the drawer, pulled out the Gideon Bible, began reading, and God changed his life. He was snuck out of there by some guys from a certain ministry we know of and taken and discipled. Hallelujah. Come on, the Bible can change your life. You want to grow up spiritually? Grow up in the Word. Don't be a weak Christian who can't quote a verse of Scripture when the Mormons knock on your door. Don't be a weak Christian that doesn't know how to respond to the Jehovah's Witnesses cult. Don't be a weak Christian that doesn't know how to respond to the the, the demonic spirit of Islam. Don't be a weak Christian who doesn't know how to quote some scriptures when your family has needs. When your aunt calls you with cancer or when your cousin calls going through a rough time, get some word in your heart. Get it down in your soul. Ruminate, meditate, memorize, declare, live on it. Post it on your refrigerator. Put it on the dashboard of your car. Have memory verses you send out to people every day. Get on some prayer lists. Get on some daily Bible reading pages. Go to Version Bible and sign up for something. If you don't have a Bible, I went, I was at Ollie's, that great shopping extravaganza. I was there recently and I saw New King James Version Bibles, which is what I usually preach from, and they had them for $10.99. I bought every one they had, put them in a drawer at the Welcome Center so anybody could take them who didn't have a Bible. Come on, somebody. Come on, shout it with me. The Word works, and we need to work the Word. Come on, shout it out. The Word works. We need to work the Word. Come on, they all stand with me. I could preach this till 10 o'clock tonight. Ryan, we could go back to Genesis and just start moving through the whole Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you all for listening to me. Father, we give you praise and we bless your name today. I thank you for every person in this room. And Lord, I've said some pretty bold things today. But Lord, I just pray you let the word 
speak through it all. Let the word speak through it all and change lives, Lord. And I pray, God, you minister to people and bless them right now. And, Lord, I just thank you. You've given us a gift. You've given us a gift of your word. You've not left us here uh, without a manual to live by, without a life-giving book to live by, without the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us. You came yourself. You give us interpretive insight into the word yourself, Lord. I give you praise for it right now. So I pray, first of all, Lord, you just alight every person up in this room to get into the Word afresh this week. Get into the Bible. Start growing up spiritually and feeding their spirits in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there one person in here who could say, Pastor, I'm not serving the Lord right now. You, you talk about having a relationship with God and God speaking to you and all these things sound wonderful, but I'm not living that life. But I want to know Jesus like that. I want to have a life-changing relationship with Him like that. Would you pray for me? If that's you, I want to pray for you right where you're standing this morning. And all I ask is that you do an act. You, a corresponding act corresponding to the faith in your heart that you raise your hand and say pastor I'm here pray for me if you're in this room right now let me see your hand I'm going to pray for you right now just between me you and the Lord pastor pray for me thank you Jesus come on maybe some of y'all had that on fire relationship with the Lord like I've talked about but maybe you've backed up from it a little bit you feel like some things have gotten in the way between you and the Lord but you want to make it right this morning. If that's you, let me see your hand. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you right now. Hallelujah. Okay, now let's practice the Word. Let's put it to work. Come on, let's pray. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. I believe in the sacrifice He gave. I believe He died. I believe He was buried. And I believe He resurrected from the dead. I believe in that. I believe He did that for my sins. Jesus, now come into my life. Apply Your blood to my life. Wash away my sin with Your life. In the name of Jesus. And I thank You that I'm forgiven. I am thank You that the way is now clear. I thank You that I have a new life and a new start and I give you praise for it in the name of Jesus <laughs> oh hallelujah come on put your hands together give the Lord a praise come on hallelujah hey guys thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast and I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life no matter what you're going through no matter what you're facing today Jesus is the answer I can tell you he is the answer for your life I'd love to pray with you before we leave here so if you never accepted Christ into your life or if you just have a need in your life let's lift it up to the Lord right now come on pray with me Lord Jesus wash me from all sin I accept you into my life I repent of all sin and I place you on the throne seat of my heart Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.